Hello everyone, it's almost 6 o'clock on Monday evening and we're going to do another Bible study. It's session 2 of the Two Models of Faith uh, and I hope you'll enjoy it. We want to welcome all of our friends on podcast who are downloading at record rates. We hope the Word of God is blessing you. We want to welcome our Facebook friends. We want to welcome Lift Him Higher Radio and uh, uh we are glad, and YouTube, we, we're, we want you to know that in March we'll be changing YouTube channels to Mike Springston Ministries FFC. Hope that all of our followers will come along with us as we increase the work on the YouTube channel. Uh, we want to remind you that uh, next week, Everett Easter, we'll be preaching at Family Fellowship Chapel. He's got a wonderful little ministry, and you don't want to miss him. And then at 5 o'clock that evening, Juliana will begin a women's session uh, at Family Fellowship Chapel at 5 o'clock on Sunday evening. So I want you to uh, remember that you can contact me at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. I want to remind you of our book. Now, our bookstore is closed down, uh, but you can get our books through Amazon or through your local bookstore. That book is I Surrender. And for those of you on Facebook, this is what it looks like. This is my last copy. It will go to one of my former players uh, who just purchased it, and it's the last book to be sold out of my own bookstore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Then let us plight our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, we ask that Jesus would speak through the Holy Spirit, show us what we need to know, do understand, and demonstrate. And we will receive it and release it to your people. And we'll be corrected, blessed, changed, and transformed by the words of Jesus Christ. We bless you now in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. So is your faith weak? That's the question. Is your faith as weak as the faith teachers want you to believe? I want you to notice that the faith that you've been using... Well, it's done quite a bit for you. It was able to save you from the rottenness of sin. And that seems like a pretty powerful faith to me. You can determine how powerfully you personally had to develop your measure of faith by recounting from where your faith has brought you. The devastation of sin is an issue that God thought was so debilitating that He chose to send His only Son and the only one of his, his kind to die for the sin of the world of which your faith attracted and attached applied grace to your life and saved you. No, my friend, I would say that the faith that you have been operating with is a very powerful faith. But it seems to be unable to accomplish the things that life seems to encumber you with. Of course, we know that it does. That faith is not developed for those interactions, those encumbering interactions. 
If it were the things uh, that faith teaches that are telling us that we could have if we would just have and develop more faith would come to us right and left. But they are not, and there is a reason why. Well, I'm trying to operate the faith model that has been positioned to accomplish a goal of fixing the attachment that seems so real to me and the attraction that is absolutely almost addictive concerning sin. And when we attempt to use that same faith in another arena or environment for which it is not designed, we fail. And my friend, I know that's very frustrating. Now one last thing on this topic before I move to the pattern of faith of which we should be going into. The topic of the measure of the gift of faith, there is the issue of your recurring sin. People are struggling, my friend, with the frequent needs of a return to the altar to ask for forgiveness of the seeming addiction to sin. Now, what do you expect? In all honesty, this should not throw anybody for a loop. Not anybody who has any biblical or scriptural background. I heard this type of scenario presented just today to one of our TV evangelists. And she said that it really perplexed her. Wow. She said, so I inquired of the Lord and he told me to have them begin to pray for their enemies. Now there, of course, is nothing wrong with that. The scripture teaches us to do this. But this is by no means the remedy that's needed to help people. Because until they realize that there is a cycle of sin that they are encountering, and that is not something... Uh, that they, as a child of God, when they get saved, should be experiencing because they should be growing in Christ and following Him. Paul taught a means to go beyond the cross. Jesus lived and journeyed a path that you can follow to move you beyond the cross. In that movement, you're also going to move from one faith mechanism into a deeper faith mechanism. What is needed is not an understanding of the fact that you have to go back and repent and feel like you start over again, live in guilt, pray, cry, beg, and seek God. Then feel like you've gotten it all taken care of. 
only to find the addictions and the attractions of sin to come back again. No, my friend, there's an answer for this. Correct teaching, correct division of scriptures, correct understanding of the process that was both lived by Jesus and journeyed by Jesus and then taught by Paul to allow you to find the means and the journey and the mechanisms to disengage with your earthy side. Now this seems to me to be the reason for why we're teaching God's word to begin with. But we spend so much time on minor things and filler things and social things and motivational things that we absolutely neglect the Word of God in its truth so that the Word of God can move us from the cross into an engagement with the life and journey and death of Jesus Christ until, as Paul said, we be risen with Christ and seek those things which are above where he sits at the right hand of majesty. But we will spend time teaching on things that have absolutely no, no, relevance to where the believer needs to go in order to use the faith for the season that faith is given and then cross the bridge and move into another season of faith. No, we want to remain in a faith work that drives us back to the cross. Well, my friend, until we learn better, we're going to struggle. And until we learn better, we're going to die because of absolute lack of knowledge of truth. But God has brought me here to this day and this time. I don't know why. I don't even know how. But God has opened up the plan shown it in the Word of God. For you, as a child of God, to come out of the struggles of your earthy side and to begin to live in the overcoming power of the spiritual side. Now let's see what we can find out. We're going to explore the other side of the faith model that is designed to address all of the needs that are encountered in the affairs of this life. Look at me at Paul's writings as we look into Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now watch it here. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God. Huh. We see now a different faith, don't we? 
we see that a man can be crucified with Christ. He can bury his flesh until he comes alive in his spirit. He can be made to live with Christ in him, which means that he has received the righteousness of God by the force of the actions of Jesus Christ. And then still live in a body that is flesh, but operate from a completely different faith model than the Ephesians 2 and 8 faith model. Because Paul is now living by the faith of the Son of God. Who he, whom he found loved him and gave himself for him. Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Does that make any sense to you? Well, we might understand Paul's description of the origin of his faith if we're able to identify what happens as we are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Because in Galatians 2.20, we see Paul outline the steps that brought him from being crucified to being alive in the spirit world to being alive in righteousness because Christ was living in him, then living in the flesh under a completely new mechanism and model of faith. That faith was the faith that was given to him as the model of Jesus Christ. If we can understand what happens when we are translated by righteousness into the kingdom of his dear son, the word translated means to be delivered from darkness and carried away from it. So when we are risen with Christ and delivered from the captivity and the bondage of darkness, we become something that we have never been before. Now here's where the world struggles. They remain in the cycle of sin that brings them back from their sin nature and from their fleshly desires and attractions back to the cross. They are working in the opposite direction than the direction Jesus went. They're working in an opposite sphere because Jesus went from the cross to the tomb to the resurrection. Then he was raised, robed in righteousness. Then he elevated through the atmosphere and went into the tabernacle made without hands. We'll go into all of that. Man is simply recycling himself around the cross around the, never going to the tomb to die as Paul taught, never being risen with Christ as Paul taught, never seeking those things that are above as Paul taught. So we're remaining in this captivity and in this bondage. When Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach to you a good news, that you don't have to be poor, broken, bruised, blind, and in bondage anymore. Why not? Because you can follow me and be risen with me and seek those things that are above. Now, we become something that we have never been before. Paul addresses this throughout the entire, extensively, in the book of Ephesians. 
And he continually uses this term or a term of equal value called in him. 27 times in the book of Ephesians, he says we are in him of, or something of that nature. My friend, what are we in? What's he trying to drive home? He's trying to drive home the fact that you and I come into his actions and his deeds. Now we must agree. He did more than just die on the cross. He did more than that. The faith that was given to you to be saved is a faith that is going to grow you through the application of grace and it is going to cause you to believe and to journey. As you journey, you follow. While you're following, you are going to have to die to your flesh man. If you're not being taught that, you are being cheated out of one of the greatest dynamics of the journey of Jesus Christ. Why? It's the second work of salvation. It's the place where his body died, but not a bone of him was broken, so his spirit was left intact. And Jesus preserved that spirit man and then deposited all of the sin in the region of the damned. That's Bible. And here came out robed in righteousness. We are to follow him, to journey with him, hi Joey, and to become in him. And our end result, where our faith will take its change, is when we are translated into the kingdom of his dear son, taken out, totally out of the earth, out of darkness, and brought to be in him by the force of the actions of which he accomplished to destroy, to defeat, and to take captive and to plunder every work of the devil. But we're not taught that. So we circle around the cross. Now, how are we going to get into Christ? That's the question. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. What faith is he talking about here? The Ephesians 2 faith. We justify ourselves by coming in unto Christ, to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified. Now, the law is a schoolmaster, and the law is operating off of a faith that will bring us to Christ. The means of learning to apply grace through faith has brought us into the place where the victoriously anointed Christ has now completed all of his earthly work. The faith used here is the faith that was given to us as a measure in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It was and is specific for the role of which we identify its operation. It has helped us learn Christ and to come unto Christ. Verse 25. But after that, now notice that wording, but after that, faith is come. 
we are no longer under the schoolmaster. After that, a new model of faith is now being exposed as we come in Christ. Hi, Lorraine. The, uh, the other model of faith has brought us unto Christ into a place where we now are made by the deliverance, the resurrection, to be robed in righteousness and to cross over the bridge of grace being led by truth into the spiritual world. Here, faith takes on a completely different operation. Notice the after that because that tells us that a different level of faith has been provided. It was different than what was used under the schoolmaster. Verse 26, For you all children of God, huh, by faith in Christ Jesus. Now Paul tells us that we become the elect of God when we become the holy children of God, pure, expressing bowels of mercy, humility of mind, meekness and kindness. So the elect of God now is operating. Look at verse 26 of Galatians 3. By faith that is in Jesus Christ. Now with faith in the delivered and victoriously anointed Christ Jesus, we become children of God. So who are we? We are now, because of being children of God, a citizen of a new kingdom whose head is Jesus Christ. We are, quote, in Him. All of the actions of which we now operate from this moment forward will all be completed as we would in Him. 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have now put on Christ. We've been made by the force of the actions and replications of the operation of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to be engulfed, submerged, and buried into Christ. The old man is eliminated and we are now in Christ Jesus. So we have put on Christ and we have put on His victorious anointing. This, my friend, is a major hurdle of understanding. Why? Because the way we're living right now, circling the cross in the cycle, what I call the cycle of sin, guilt, forgiveness, right relationship. Sin, guilt, forgiveness, right relationship. That circle that goes around and around and around because we, it's a merry-go-round that we don't know how to get off of. Why don't we know how to get off of it? Because no one teaches us how to get off of it. Paul did. The church has completely overlooked what Paul taught. Paul taught what I started in Galatians 2.20. He taught the death of the flesh in Galatians 5.24 and 25. He taught being risen with Christ in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul taught this movement away towards the things that Jesus was doing, never forgetting the cross, 
but moving the journey in the direction that Jesus journeyed. But our church world doesn't want to do that. They don't want to accept that. They don't want to teach that. They don't want to learn that. They don't want to live that. Therefore, the faith that they operate in cannot bring them the tangible manifestations that those faith teachers are telling them they should be seeing and fleecing them dime for dollar and telling them that that is the mechanism that God has designed for them to build their faith. It is not. God has designed the path and the journey that is for one to follow Jesus Christ. And the faith change happens when one walks across the bridge of righteousness, grace, as righteousness led by truth walks into the spirit world, and all of a sudden, they become a citizen of a new kingdom and their faith changes. Now their faith is no longer on the measure. It is on the faith of Christ. Everything changes. Hmm. For this reason, Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by, by, by the faith of the Son of God. Why? He is in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 26, 27. We become the righteousness of God and we are in him. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he's made him by the force of his journey to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? Where was he sin? It was heaped upon his body. Where did he bury it in the tomb? Where did he destroy it? When he went to the region of the dam, he made him by the force of his journey to be sin who knew no sin. That after he journeyed, we might be made by the force of his journey, the righteousness of God, look at this, in him. There is a journey, my friend. We must follow it. We must walk it. We must pursue it. It must be understood. It must be taught. We must stop circling around the cross. There is a journey that Paul is telling us about in his teachings and in his writings and here in 2 Corinthians 5.21. We can all agree that we, are being, we should be being made the righteousness of God. But this has been preached to us, but never preached with the correct context. It is the position that we gain when we come in, quotes, Him, from the perspective of righteousness that sets in motion the foundational operation of a new and a correct spiritual model of faith. Then we follow him because we've been made by the force of his work and by the journey of which we're following to go with him in where he's going. Paul put it to seek those things which are above. When he enters the tabernacle made without hands and he sprinkles the blood on the vessels of ministry. Now this is the critical area. 
because he shed blood on the cross. He did do that. He shed blood for seven areas. We've told you all about that. Grace is applied. Faith is operational. Faith will save you. Faith will help you die to the flesh. Faith will help you deposit your sin. Faith at that point will deliver you out and you will become the righteousness of God. Now once you're righteous, you cross that bridge into the spiritual world and the operation of faith changes. Now watch how it changes. When we enter the tabernacle, when he enters the tabernacle made without hands and sprinkles the blood on the vessels of ministry, there, at that moment, he completes the requirements for the acceptance of his sacrifice. How does that affect us? How does that affect our faith? We're going to see. When he opens the door of the holy place and makes entrance for us and sprinkles this blood, he includes us now through that blood directly in his work. We now have met every standard that could ever result in the standard of God's righteousness. Well, we were buried with him. But there must be an operation that is completed. The writer of the book of Hebrews shares what was done for us there. And I see that my 30 minutes is up. So I'll have to pick up here next time. I want to tell you, your faith understanding is just about ready to change. If you are operating in the Ephesians 2.8 faith, that faith was to take you through the journey. And once you got to being delivered and resurrected in Christ Jesus, your faith model changes. It goes over and rolls over into the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to teach you that as we go through this. And when your faith model gets into the faith model of Jesus Christ, in the meantime, you can begin to read John 14. And you can begin to identify what happens when your faith model changes? Because that's what Jesus is teaching you there. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your word. I pray that our eyes and our ears are open to hear and we'll be changed. That we'll understand that we must live in the righteousness of God and the earthiness in us must die. And the reason that we have not come into the things that our faith uh, has shown us that has been brought to us by the word that our faith should be accessing, the reason we're not there is because we're too earthy. We're living too close to darkness. So the faith that is made of righteousness has not affected us and brought Jesus' faith into play. God, may we die. Hallelujah. May we die to our flesh May we die to our sin nature. May we eliminate earthiness. Cross that bridge and go to the spiritual place where the faith that is by Jesus Christ is how I live. I praise you now and forever for it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Next time, I'm going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. That's a message you don't want to miss.
In the meantime, jump on over and look into John 14 and you'll begin to see what Jesus is teaching about how faith and prayer is going to work when we cross over into a spiritual union in, in Christ Jesus. May God bless you until we speak again. My Facebook friends, find him as Jesus. There you have the privilege to use his name. Find him as the man in the Godhead, and there he'll show you great and mighty things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.